Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, the first three plagues of Egypt, hearts growing indifferent, and what we do whenever God relieves us from our trials. Exodus 7 and 8, Lesson 8 of the Exodus Study. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. So I do still have a different project that came up in the middle of this that kept me from writing the full study and getting it online for y'all. So give me till mid-September, end of September, and I'll have the full study out on the website so that you can purchase that if you want to have the lessons there in front of you instead of just listening to them. Now, the last two weeks, we've studied about how Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and told him to let the people go for the first time. And Pharaoh did not react well to that. And not only did he not let the people go, but he put more burdens on them. So now the people have to make the same number of bricks for him as they did before, but he doesn't give them any straw and they have to go out and look for the straw themselves. Then whenever they went to Pharaoh and complained about it, he told them he wasn't going to change anything, that they were lazy and distracted, wanting to go sacrifice to their God, and he wasn't going to have any of that. And so when the people left, they blamed Moses and Aaron because they had started this whole mess. And then Moses went to God confused asking him what was going on, why he had even sent him there, if he was going to just make everything difficult for them. And so if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we talk about how we feel whenever we think we're doing something that God wants us to do and then everything turns out wrong and we're confused and don't know what he wants of us. Now, this week, we're going to pick up in chapter 7, and the plagues are going to start. God is about to send plagues onto Pharaoh because Pharaoh won't listen to them. So, let's go ahead and start reading in chapter 7 of Exodus. We're going to read 1 through 13. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of the land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt, and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them, so they did. And Moses was eighty years old, and Aaron was eighty-three years old whenever they went to Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, 
When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before the servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them, as the Lord had said. So after God encouraged Moses and told him that he was going to let the people go, then he starts this first part of the passage reminding him that this is not going to be a quick, easy battle, but he is going to bring the people out. And he says that he's going to multiply the signs and wonders and keep Pharaoh's heart so that he can bring acts of judgment towards the Egyptians. And if you remember, God told Abraham that that's what he was going to do at the very first of Abraham's journey. Listen to what it says in Genesis 15, 13 and 14. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So God wanted to judge these people that had been so horrible to the Israelites. So he's explaining to Moses that he's going to multiply the signs and wonders, but he's going to keep Pharaoh's heart hard so that he can bring the judgments against the Egyptians in the same way that he had prophesied to Abraham over 400 years ago. Now, before when they had gone to Pharaoh and they said, our God says that you need to let his people go, Pharaoh told them, I don't know this God and I don't have to let you go. Well, God is telling him here, after I perform all of these things towards the Egyptians, they will know who I am because they're going to experience my power. And then he told him, if he asks for you to prove some of my power, then throw the staff down and it'll turn into a servant. And so when they went back to Pharaoh and they were asked to prove themselves, then Aaron threw the rod down and it became a servant. But then Pharaoh called in all the insightful men of his town and all the religious men, and they also were able to turn their staffs into servants. Now, we're not really sure if this was just trickery on the magician's part or if they had been given some kind of supernatural power. But either way, their power was no match for God's because Aaron's staff swallowed all of their staffs up. And so that should have been proof, hey, fine, whatever, you can do it. But we're still on top. We're still more powerful than you. But apparently, just because the magicians could do it anyway, Pharaoh hardened his heart and he wouldn't let the people go. I want you to listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. This is just a lesson to us whenever we're trying to persuade someone. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, Moses has been concerned this entire time that he wasn't going to be able to be persuasive. And Paul is saying, we're not going to be persuasive because we need to use the spirit and the power of God 
if we're going to persuade people. Otherwise, they're just having faith in men, even if they do believe us. And since God is the most powerful, and that's being proved to us through this Moses passage, we need to always remember that if we're trying to persuade people, we need to persuade them by using the power of God and not our own wisdom that comes from men. Okay, so let's keep reading and see what happens now that Pharaoh still doesn't believe. This is going to be verses 14 to 25 of chapter 7. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned into the serpent you shall take in your hand, And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with this rod in my hand, and they shall be turned into blood. And the fish that are in the river will die, and the river will stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water from the river. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams and their rivers and ponds and their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants. And the waters in the river became blood. And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them, as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So the Egyptians dug all around the river for the water to drink, because they couldn't drink the water that was in the river. And seven days passed after the Lord struck the river. Since Pharaoh's heart was already hard and he wouldn't listen to him, God told Moses to go back to him in the morning and deliver the first plague. And if you'll notice, Moses identified God as the Lord that Pharaoh refused to submit to. He said, our God sent us here to tell you to let the people go. And until now, you wouldn't hear. So he's calling Pharaoh out. And then he proceeds to show God's authority by stretching the staff over the waters of Egypt and turning them into blood. And if you'll notice, it was not only the Nile River. It was all the fresh bodies of water and even the buckets and troughs that had water in them. Everything that held water in their land turned to blood. And it doesn't say that it looks like blood. It says it is blood. It stunk and it made all the fish die. And there's no natural phenomenon that's going to cause water from the river and then also what's in the buckets to turn red. There's nothing that would do that. If it was just the river, it might could have made a little more sense in that way. But being in their water troughs and their buckets and all of that, there's just no way for that to happen naturally. So they turned the water to blood, and since they didn't have any drinking water anywhere, then they had to dig around the river in order to get any water to drink. 
And that must have been the water that the magicians used to turn to blood because it says that the magicians also were able to turn the water to blood. But it also says that all of the water in the land had already been turned to blood. So they must have dug for the water and then were able to turn the water to blood just like Moses had. And since they were able to do this, it left Pharaoh's heart completely unchanged. His heart was still hard towards the people and towards Moses. What's odd is that the magicians would even use any of their fresh drinking water that they just dug in order to turn it to blood because they're only making things worse for the people. But apparently Pharaoh doesn't care about that. And he must have known that God was more powerful because if he thought that his magicians could do the same things as God, he would have asked his magicians to reverse the plague. But instead, he just asked them to mimic the trick. That's all. So Pharaoh had to have had a little bit of an idea, but he wasn't going to give in to it. Now, I just want to talk just for a minute about his heart being indifferent. It just says he just didn't care. His heart was completely unchanged. And it is a terrible thing whenever our hearts grow indifferent. And so we really need to pay attention to that. Whenever our consequences do not lead us to repent and instead we're looking around for a way out of them, then we know that our hearts are becoming indifferent. If you notice, that's what he's doing. These consequences did not affect his heart. He's like, you know what? Fine, whatever. All the waters turn to blood. I'll just dig and get some more water. Whenever God imposes consequences on us so that we will repent and instead we're like, eh, I'll just find a way around that. I don't care. You're not affecting me. Then all that really means is that our consequences are going to have to get harsher. That's really all we're doing for ourselves. But it is sometimes easy to stay unaffected if the consequences to our actions only affect us. But this is affecting all the people in all the land. And he doesn't care about that either. And that's when you know your heart is hard. You know, you're no longer indifferent. You are just hard-hearted that you can allow other people to suffer for the things that you're doing. And that definitely means that our consequences have to grow harsher. If we do not care about the consequence, they have to keep coming until something matters to us. And so that's not a place we want to be. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 28, 14. Happy is the man who always is reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So if our hearts are hard, things are going to get bad for us. So we need to pay attention to that very first sign of indifference to punishment. Whenever we just decide, I'm going to find my way around this. I don't care. That's a clue that things are starting to get bad and we need to pay attention. So I just wanted to point that out, that that's what is going on with Pharaoh here. And we don't want that to happen to us. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the second plague. This is verses 1 through 15 in chapter 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Go to Pharaoh and say, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all of your territory with frogs. So the river shall spring up frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedroom and into your bed and into your houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come upon you on your people and all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. 
So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go so that they may sacrifice to their Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your households, that they may remain only in the river. So he said, Tomorrow. And Moses said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses and your servants and your people. They shall remain only in the river. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart, and he didn't let the people go, as the Lord had said. Now, the last verse of chapter 7 said that seven days passed after the Lord struck the river. So it must have only taken seven days for the blood to clear up from the Nile for the conditions to be right for the next plague. And so they warned Pharaoh before Aaron stretched his staff out over the water and covered the ground with the frogs, but he wouldn't listen to them. Now, there's nothing special or magical about this staff. It's just a visible symbol of God's power. It's just showing that when this happens, the frogs come. That lets you know that it's God. Now, something interesting about this second plague is that the frogs were honored by the Egyptians because they were considered to be a sign of life. They'd even wear them as jewelry. So normally, when they heard these frogs croaking in the water, they would be excited because it would show them that their land was fertile. And this time, they should have been even more excited because it should have shown them that, okay, the blood's cleared up and our water can sustain life again. So it's funny that God would use something that normally they would celebrate to just be a complete nuisance to them. Because these frogs are everywhere. They're overrun with them. In their houses, in their beds, all over them. And then the magicians just multiplied the problem by having more frogs appear instead of, again, reversing the plague. And even Pharaoh must have known that only God was able to reverse the plague because he begged him to take it away from him and didn't go back to the magicians and ask them to do anything. And in his begging, he told them, if you'll just make these frogs go away, I'll let you go. I'm done with this. And so Moses said, okay, well, tell me when to make it happen and I'll pray to God and he'll make it happen. And the reason that he did this is so that Pharaoh wouldn't just think that they just coincidentally were gone. He wanted him to know, okay, you want them gone at this time? If they're gone at this exact time, then you'll know that that's God. So he prayed to God and asked him to make the frogs go away. And God killed all the frogs and the land stunk terribly. He didn't just make them hop away into another part of the country or whatever. So it's going to be bad there for a little while, for sure. But once the relief came, once the frogs were gone, then Pharaoh just hardened his heart again and went back on his work. Now, remember how we talked about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And I just want you to notice that God has not done that yet. Pharaoh has done it on his own every time so far. So once relief came, he completely went back on his word. 
And, you know, it's easy for us watching Pharaoh to be like, are you kidding me? What are you thinking? Right. But I think before we get too self-righteous, we probably ought to think about ourselves for just a little bit because it's very likely that we've done things similar to this. I mean, have you ever made a promise to God whenever your circumstances are hard and then when everything improved, you went back on that? I mean, I think that's something that we can relate to and how he just wanted the frogs to stop. Have you ever done that? It's like, I'll do anything. Just make it stop. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And then as soon as it all goes away, it's like, man, that was a little extreme. I really didn't have to go that far. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. And then also we just have these instances where we're just so relieved that all the bad part is over that we just forget that God is the one that made that happen. These are all circumstances that possibly we can relate to. The problem is, is that God gives us these difficult times a lot of times just so we will depend on him. That's his whole purpose. When we meet hardship, he knows that we'll come to him. And so he does it so we will depend on him. And then whenever we just turn away from everything that it seems like we learn during that time, then it defeats the whole purpose. Listen to what it says in James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." So we don't want to be that kind of person that looks at ourselves in the mirror and then doesn't even remember what we look like. That's what God says that we do whenever we just forget how bad our trials were and why we made these promises in the first place. Whenever we can't remember what got us out of this and we just walk away and completely forget everything that we learned. So we don't want to do that because when we do that, we're really only proven to God that he can only draw us near through our trials. Just think about it for a minute. When have you been the very closest to God in your life? If the times that we are very closest to God is only during our difficult times, that may be the thing that gets us close to him in the first place. But if that does not extend into the good times, then all that says to God is, well, I guess I have to keep you in difficult times so that you'll stay close to me. That's the last thing that we want, obviously. Listen to what it says in Psalm 32, 8 through 11. This is God talking and he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule that have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So he's talking about the horse and the mule, and he says, they don't understand what's going on, and the only way that I can make them come close to me is to grab them and pull them. I have to do it by force. And so he's like, don't be like that. Don't make me have to drag you to me. Put you in a situation that you feel as though you have no choice but to come near me. That's not where we want to be. So think about that in your own life. If the only time you're close to God is whenever things are difficult, 
then you may have to go through a lot of difficult times because that's the only way God can keep you close. But if we're mindful and we remain dependent on him during the good times, as well as the bad, then he doesn't have to drag us to him. Listen to what it says in Psalm 103, 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. We always need to praise him, always need to stay close to him. So we just need to let that be a lesson to us, to stay close to God through the bad times and through the good times, not be like Pharaoh and turn away as soon as everything gets better. All right, we're going to do one more plague and then we'll save the next three for next week. So let's read verses 16 through 19. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become like lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron struck out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on the man and beast. And all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth the lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he didn't heed them, just as the Lord had said. So this time, Pharaoh got no warning. The other times, it's like, hey, if you're not going to let the people go, I'm going to have to do this plague, and then he doesn't. This time, there's no warning, and the reason for that is because he just told them that he was going to let the people go, and then he purposefully hardened his heart. So his heart is hard. He's not going to change his mind. He doesn't get a warning this time. And Aaron strikes the dust of the land with his staff, and all of the dust turns to lice or gnats. Some of the the versions say gnats. And they got on all of the people and all of the animals. And if you notice, this time, the magicians cannot replicate this. They try to produce the lice, and they can't. And, you know, maybe that was just because there was no warning for them. And they weren't able to consult all of their magical books to find out how to produce lice. Because if you notice the other times, he gave them a little bit of warning so they could figure out how to trick the people into believing that they could do it. So that could be one reason. It also could be that they did have some mystical powers, but this was too hard for them. Because they acknowledged to Pharaoh This is the finger of God. Like, we cannot do this, and so you should pay attention. And so Pharaoh should have taken their warning. If they're telling him themselves, hey, we can't do this. Only God is able to do these things. Maybe you should listen to him. But he doesn't care. He isn't listening. And his heart just continues to get hard. So that would be another lesson to us is whenever people begin to warn us, they see the signs. They see the harsh consequences that we're facing. They see that we've just relented because we found relief. And they start telling us, hey, you're getting into some difficult situations and God's going to have to show his power in you to make you stop. When your friends start warning you, hey, I don't want bad things to have to happen for you to come to God, then we should listen to them. But Pharaoh didn't, so there's going to be more plagues. But we'll talk about those next week. We can't do all of them in one lesson. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. We'll be talking about the next three plagues.
Also, if you're enjoying these episodes, please leave me a five-star review. That helps other people to be able to see the podcast. Also, if you have any comments, you can leave them wherever you're listening, or you can email me. My email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Think about those things today, about not trying to get around our consequences, but just allowing them to cause us to repent. And also, when we do turn to God in our difficult times, just remembering Him whenever we get out, praising Him, thanking Him, and staying close to Him. So keep those things in mind. Thanks. Have a good day.